Hello fellow time travelers, I'm Tony Witt with the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the podcast in which we undertake the insert adjective here task of discussing in story order all of the Doctor Who novelizations. I'm joined by... Dalton Hughes. And by... Alison Fitzsafrey. And we record our episodes twice a month. You're listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. Enjoy your travels. Episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Peterson. With me, as always, your host and my good friend, Eric O'Branson. Eric, how you doing? Oh, pretty good. I've been, uh, well, I don't know, not doing much, actually. I don't have any major news updates. I don't know what I was going to say. But anyway, oh, um, you'd think uh, we didn't just spend, you know, two minutes getting ready to record the way I got caught off guard there. But anyway... Oh. <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm uh, I'm pretty good. It's it's been a, a tumultuous week, but I'm getting through it. My my wife's been out of town uh for work, so I've been manning everything day and night for the last week, which has been totally fine. The kids have been great, but it's just uh yeah, yeah. It, it's it's been I've been playing I've been I've been playing Eric for the last week actually. So <laughs> it's been really interesting. It gives you a whole ton of empathy for people that do raise children by themselves i can't Mm -hmm. even imagine like um because like yeah my wife travels from time to time for work and if she's out of town for you know Mm -hmm. a week or so it's yeah i mean it's it's exhausting so imagine people that yeah that do that you know are raising children uh, by themselves and working and going to school and all it's just yeah so hats off to anyone absolutely pulling that off here well luckily the kids are just at that right age now and it's it's most of the week has been fairly nice weather, so it can be like, you guys go outside, and I'm going to clean up the house after you. And, you know, actually, one of the biggest things, that, big things I've been doing, actually, has been working on my car, which has been oh, kind yeah. of uh, fun. I'm, I'm not a gearhead by any by any means, um, but I figured I've got this 2006 Toyota RAV4, and I want it, I'm going to be driving it as long as I can, so let's breathe a little bit of new life into the old thing. So I've been, actually, on Monday... Um, took every wheel off and sanded all of the rust as much as I could get off of the rims and painted them and put them back on and it's just doing stuff like that and cosmetic stuff mostly and uh cool it's actually yeah it's, it looks like a totally new vehicle it's kind of exciting you know, I'm like happy to drive it around now and today I actually got ambitious and I pretty much took the entire dashboard and center console apart and rewired a bunch of stuff huh that was yeah, that was stepping out of my comfort zone, but I was glad I did it. So, yeah, I mean, I, the tools are out there to teach yourself to do just about anything if you get to, you know, 
Yeah, I if you I have don't the patience I, and the the ability to you know experiment on something or have you know have a car to work on. Well, and YouTube, you I gotta say YouTube was, yep. has been a savior for this. Like, oh, how do you rewire the auxiliary jack on a 2006 Rav4? Let's ask YouTube, and right away found something, and it made it really really easy. So. Uh, I'm I'm getting a little more ambitious now with like maybe I could work on some stuff under the hood and you know I did pick up a you know like the mechanic repair book for this model just because it's an older car and I may have to run into stuff so Rav Rav Four for dummies is that one pretty much yeah <laughs> but but you know and I'm trying to gear the thing up because I'll be driving it out west uh, next month when when I head out to Utah yeah so yeah, which all into shape because it's <laughs> cars take a beating out there i know for yeah, oh I, definitely and i'm gonna be sleeping in it this year so oh, okay yeah. yeah so i, I it's, it's gonna be my home away from home mobile but, tent <laughs> yeah pretty much so but you know what and and since since i'm heading out west since the car's heading out west we decided we were gonna do an out west a video junker pasta video junker podcast goes west for the next couple of weeks right yeah, sounds good. And yeah, the Western genre is something we have not touched yet. Am I correct about that? We haven't looked at all. Um, well, uh, a couple Western weeks... films. No, not really. I mean, a couple weeks ago, we talked about Near Dark, which has been compared to a modern day Western. And in some ways, I can yes, really see. Some... Yep, you know, yep. but, but certainly no, not a traditional Western. <laughs> no. And and I would even say that the, the films we're going to be talking about over the next couple of episodes um, are also not your quintessential um you know traditional westerns either when most people think of westerns of course they think john wayne or you know clint eastwood or maybe roy rogers i don't know you know they they go back pretty far um yeah i was gonna say the the world of john ford and sergio leone which i just my brain went directors years went actors were really saying the same thing so pretty Uh, much (laughs) but you know the um you know, those are the kind of the faces of, of Westerns, but we're kind of keeping in the pace of the show, right? Looked at stuff from the 80s and 90s, which was, it had a, a an interesting kind of Western resurgence. There was. There was a short renaissance. It's almost as, as short and as um, non-remembered, I think, as, you know, the swing renaissance, which I know you were a fan of in the, <laughs> in the 90s yeah. as well. Yeah, thanks for but calling me out people, on that one. <laughs> many people don't uh, even realize that was a thing that happened, and it certainly was, and we yeah. were... We were all into it for a little while, somewhere yeah, than others. But I got the high, I got the high school yearbook photos to prove it, and I keep them buried in a box. <laughs> no, hey, I, mean, I, I did buy a zoot suit for prom. I was pretty damn proud of that one. Yeah, no, but, I mean, hey, it's uh, probably less embarrassing than what some people looked like in you know in high school. So yeah, I will it, say, yeah, you go back and look at those photos, you know, of like your your high school days, and you're like, oh my god, what was I wearing? And I was pretty self-aware of what I was wearing. I was like, yeah, I'm wearing a zoot suit, and I don't give a fuck, so whatever. Right. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah no, so there, the... there was certainly a little renaissance of Western films, and, and the two we're going to talk about tonight are probably the the two that kind of leap out at me as um, you know prime examples, but certainly um, Clint Eastwood as a filmmaker dived back into doing Westerns uh, right around the same time. Um yeah, so so the video store shelf started to be full of westerns for a very brief period of time, and then it kind of just really as quickly as it came on, kind of died out again. I don't remember. Yeah. I guess there... I remember a couple of big budget Hollywood westerns a little more recently than that, but I think that was the this was the last where big push where there were a lot of major uh, studios making western films. But right, and and the first one that we're going to talk about tonight is one that. Uh... 
I don't know if it really got the ball rolling, but it definitely kept it going, or at least, you know, gave it a, a huge boost. And this is the uh, 1988 film directed by Christopher Kane, Young Guns. reasons why the West was wild. No one's fool enough to go in after Murphy's people. Emilio Estevez. I'm in. Deputize them. Keeper Sutherland. You look like trouble. Trouble? You think I look like trouble? I'm a poet. Makes me those are just boys. Ain't one of them over 21. Murphy's men will shred them in half within a day. Casey Shimashko. I'm a pugilist. Adjourned. Dermot Mulroney. He ain't all there, is he? Lou Diamond Phillips. My vision told me we're headed for blood. Charlie Sheen. We got warrants for the law! You were supposed to serve 11 warrants and expose the ring. Instead, you went out and you went on the warpath. The governor's revoked your deputization powers. You're now wanted by the legitimate law as well as those outside the law. You're being hunted by troops. I like these odds. <laughs> Young Guns. Uh, yeah, this so. this one, it, and it's a Brat Pack, right? I mean, essentially, yeah, this is, is a Brat sure. Pack movie. Um, you know, it's a Morgan Creek Productions, like I said, directed by Christopher Kane, who I found out is Dean Kane's dad. Huh. For what that's worth, um, yeah, I, I guess I didn't realize that. I mean, they they have the same last name, but I didn't necessarily put yeah. those two things together. But and yeah. this one was written by John Fusco, uh, really quite an impressive writer. Not only did he write the the story uh, for Young Guns, but also the the film Crossroads mm-hmm. with Ralph Macchio, um, and let's see, The Babe with John Goodman. Uh, okay. Another another relatively more recent Western, uh, Hidalgo. And also, the All he's right. been doing a lot of stuff on Netflix, actually. Like, the, the very popular and really quite cool series Marco Polo that was on Netflix was also uh, headed by him as well. So, he's got a pretty impressive writing credit behind him. Uh, this film, mm-hmm. though, stars Emilio Estevez, Kiefer Sutherland, Lou Diamond Phillips, Charlie Sheen, uh, Dermot Mulroney, Casey... Uh, Samazko, Terrence Stamp, Terry O'Quinn, Brian Keith, yeah. and Jack Palance, who's always fun to say, always loves seeing Jack. Oh Palance God, yeah, movies. and th- this like the like the other movie that we're going to talk about next week is just like the cast list is like so deep. Where <laughs> like with uh you know actors that you that you know or name actors that aren't just you know a that guy character actor, but people that you you are very familiar with, and it's the, very much the same with next week's movie. It just keeps going and going and going. So, um, yeah, and this one, uh, I feel like, you know, being that this was kind of what was going on at the time, the Brat Pack, um, you know, uh, John Hughes movies and, and such in the mid to late 80s, and I feel like this is a little bit of, like, one of the biggest examples of what I would call stunt casting in the world, and maybe not the best decision for John Fusco's script, which is actually not you know it's a, it's not a bad script there's mm-hmm. uh i have some issues with the movie but uh in general yeah it's a pretty good historical western and i think that's what you were kind of um hinting at or i don't remember if it was before we started recording or like early on but um hinting at that uh 
these two westerns weren't really your quote-unquote traditional westerns and that is i think that one they're kind of a who's who of um popular actors and two they're also both historical semi-realistic westerns they're not like you said your roy rogers um you know mm-hmm. no singing cowboys here um <laughs> right but to, to give a, a short synopsis young guns is a retelling of the adventures of billy the kid during the lincoln county war which took place in new mexico during 1877 to 1878 um and actually so this is a billy the kid movie right and mm-hmm. it was filmed very close to the actual locations where this took place so it was also filmed in and around new mexico um incidentally for as much as you know i, I think we're going to uh, some similar opinions on this film but um and you know like i said it's kind of a who's who which in a way like you mentioned kind of has some issues with that with with the script and with the film but um dr paul hutton who is a a, kind of a wild west historian for lack of Mm -hmm. a better term actually has said this is one of the most historically accurate portrayals of billy the kid on film ever yes i read that and quite interesting and possibly it is i i don't know enough about the historical i mean i know what i've seen in movies and i know every billy the kid movie i've seen is a little bit different (laughs) yeah like the take on the character and also the events um of his life so uh it very may well be that this you know factually or you know event event for event is the more accurate film but um yeah, it doesn't necessarily make it the best movie either. So, well, and, uh, and I guess you know, I, I I gave a real quick synopsis, but the the plot is actually more than just like here's Billy the Kid, you know, the adventures of Billy the Kid. It's a little bit more than that, you know. It's um, uh, about really that the film starts out right with with John Tunstall, who's played by Terrence Stamp, who's is this cattle rancher, uh, Englishman mm-hmm. cattle rancher in New Mexico, uh, and he hires these kind of delinquent young men to work the ranch so it's almost like a halfway house in a way um and and billy the kid uh is one of them and they're the the regulators right that's the, their little group and uh, you get into some cattle rustlers and this gang essentially that comes in and, and when they kill tunstall the uh, the regulators get deputized and they go after him. So really, that's the, the interesting history of Billy the Kid is that he he got a badge and then went wild with it. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, and and the the main antagonist in the movie is uh, played by Jack Palance, and mm-hmm. um, I think he's just a, a a competing cattle rancher that's kind of trying to initially initially trying to chase his. Uh, competition out of town per you know right. whatever you know uh terrence stamps character would you say john john tunstall is kind of getting in on his territory so um starts kind of a feud and his his boys or whatever you know his all the, his young ranch hands that he's taking in and teaching to read and uh he's really kind of a cool character and um i do think i mean you you're supposed to kind of Hey, form a liking to him really quickly because you're supposed to feel when you know what when he's killed you're supposed to feel that you know this the vengeance is uh the revenge that they seek is kind of you know deserved but right um, right i mean and this is again this is 1870s you know late 1870s this is during a this is a, a 
this is there's a reason they called this the Wild West, right? Though so this is all, you know, and actually, uh, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to make sure I get my dates right. Yeah, you know, the late 1870s. This is post Civil War, right. and yep. a lot of people went out west to seek fortune and start lives anew. And um, there weren't, there was law, but there wasn't a lot of order. And and so there's. You know, the, the film we'll talk about next week goes into even more of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, so this one, you know, it's... I don't know. The um, You could tell that with this one they were really trying to make a Brat Pack Western. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not saying the performances in this are bad. <laughs> but I, mean... <laughs> I don't... There, there are some, but some of them are really impressive. I, Kiefer Sutherland is very good in this. Actually, Emilio uh, Estevez is very good in this. Kiefer Sutherland acts acts circles around most of his peers in this, so you really can see the the difference. And yeah, um, I don't know if I cared for Emilio Estevez in this a lot. He's fine, but as the leading man and the one you know playing the the big historical figure in it, I'm just not sure he quite carried the movie and like actually i i mean i i understand like as a plot device and as kind of he's a complex character and you're not always supposed to find him likable but like i possibly he's he's just a little atonal like i don't know i don't just i find him that way in everything so martin sheen is one really really terrific actor that uh proves Charlie. Once and for all that, that <laughs> well, Martin um, Sheen is quite acting. good too. But yeah, <laughs> well, Martin Sheen. No, I'm talking, but no, um, yeah, and that's what I meant was Martin Sheen. It just proves once and for all that um, acting is obviously not genetic, so <laughs> you can't pass right. that along to any of your. Because uh, Charlie Sheen is just terrible in pretty much everything he's ever been in, and not like funny or good, terrible. Like he's putting, you know, I don't know. I'm probably wrong about that. You could probably name a movie, and I'd be like, oh, okay, I kind of liked him in that. But he's really really bad in this one <laughs> well what, one i think um what, what's kind of interesting is that for me you know and i'm not i'm not a wild west historian by any means but having been out west so many times you know 20 years every single year um you just kind of you can't help you turn around you're like oh this is where butch cassidy hung out and this is yeah. where, you know, this. <laughs> so you kind of pick up on stuff and um the dermot moroni's character Dirty Steve Stevens, mm-hmm. um, actually felt more like everything I've ever read about Billy the Kid. Yeah, <laughs> than Emilio Estevez. So I, it's like I, I have this what if in my mind if those roles were reversed. Um, I don't know. I, right. Charlie and... Sheen. Charlie Sheen's in this, and he seems to just be kind of there for the credit because he doesn't really do much. Uh, he's kind of wasted. Um, yeah, and Lou Diamond just... Phillips feels typecast, but he's not bad. He's okay. No, I mean he's you know? he's just, he's what he always does. He shows up and puts in a solid. You know, he's not a bad actor. He's just, you know, he's not ever going to win an Oscar, I don't think. But yeah, he's right. fine. Um, the standouts are definitely for me in this movie: Kiefer Sutherland and um, was it Casey Semezko? Yeah, um, are the the high highlights of the cast, and the rest of the cast is just they're fine. It's it, at the end of the day, it's it is what it is. It's a you know, brat pack western, right? So it's <laughs> a lot of these people are cast based on their um, popularity, notoriety, and you know, good boyish good looks at the time. Um, 
Right. Obviously, they were trying to sell you know this not only to young men but probably also to young women and uh, sell the genre to teens and young adults. I think was a big um, pull, which is funny because I don't think the script had to go that way. So I'm not sure you know how you know the writer feels about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know the, whatever they were aiming for with success, it definitely was successful. It opened at number one in the mm-hmm. box office um, in in 1988. It it had an $11 million budget and it earned $45 million, which for the time was very successful. Um, so it, 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 it garnished a sequel in 1990, which was also very successful. Um, so, yeah, there's, uh, you know, it, 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 was, it was a popular film. Like we said, it, it did kind of get the Western thing, the Western ball rolling in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, yeah, I mean, this however, made, it's a bit made a lot dated. of money and... Yeah, it just yeah. You know, rewatching it's funny because we were talking about this before recording, but I I picked this one up on Blu-ray on a fluke. I saw it in the the bargain bin. It was like, oh, Young Guns. Yeah, that was a good movie, I think. And yeah. I picked it up and I watched it a few years ago when this was like maybe yeah, it was two or three years ago, and it was like, yeah, it was fine. And I rewatched it this past week, and it didn't grab me. Um, yeah. And it in fact the intro is pretty corny. Um, a lot of the, the, it's weird to say this, the performances are, are, you know, we mentioned some of the performances are good for the most part. Uh, they're good to find. And nothing, the, nothing is, yeah, nothing is like <laughs> stellar here. I mean, right. No, but nobody's winning this, awards for this movie. I don't know if that's actually, I could be wrong, but, but the dialogue was, is pretty for, for a lot of the characters is pretty stilted. Um, yeah. You know, it's Kiefer Sutherland does the best with what he's what he's got. You know, um, he's also a, given a character. I mean, to, to to you know, devil's advocate here, but to he's given a character that has a little bit more to do than just be a macho cowboy, right? So, um, I'm not sure. Yeah, Emilio Estevez's Billy the Kid, and this is given a whole lot more to do besides be. I mean, he's certainly not likable purposely like he's a bit of an anti-hero if a hero at all like he's pushing these guys that were otherwise you know reforming at the at the very least but pretty stand-up you know young men that were um working and learning you know learning to read and write and um kind of depicted as this group of reformed young men that were going to come out of this ranch and eventually either go into business on their own or keep moving west and have a, you know a life and a career and he shows up and kind of turns this whole thing on its head now obviously john john tunstall getting killed and getting in this feud with jack palance's character um is the catalyst for that but i really think billy the kid is the one that turns this whole thing on its head gets half of them killed yeah <laughs> and uh, yeah i mean obviously the that that's how things went down it's a somewhat historical movie i don't say I, i'm not voting that they totally rewrite all of that or trying to make him into a hero but i kind of feel like the script tried to make him into a hero a little bit and at the same at kind of in the the way the performance is and the way they kind of feature him but at the same time they don't change enough of his actions um for it to really sit right so the whole time i'm just thinking man this guy's an asshole (laughs) like why do they put up with him why are they still listening to him why isn't everybody just riding away and being like okay you you i don't know and and there is conflict within the group in the movie so i guess that is that is part of the Mm -hmm. the narrative but 
There, there are two parts in the film though that do stand out for me. Um, first is at the um, the New Year's Eve party uh, towards the beginning of the film, um, uh, where they're they're all outside and they're they're dancing and playing around and drinking and stuff. And there's a, a very brief moment where Emilio Estevez as Billy the Kid uh, meets Pat Garrett, who's played by Patrick Wayne. And mm-hmm. makes some comment about how I'm, I'm. I think I might be bigger than him someday, and it's just kind of amusing since Pat Garrett is the man who killed Billy the Kid. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was that was kind of a uh, an interesting and kind of a cute little nod. And then the the whole scene where they take peyote, yeah, um, <laughs> is actually a really fun scene. <laughs> yeah, it it is, and um, it's it's an odd scene though, and I think. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, being right. where it is. Um, I think that's what I like about it. Is it's just yeah. this, it's this shoehorned. You need to it have was, a spirit quest scene. Yeah, it was a very eighties yeah. thing to do. Like all of a sudden, you're like, oh wait, this isn't you know a real western. We're stuck in the middle of eighties, and this is a you know Emilio Estevez movie. And like, okay, I understand now. But um, yeah, and I think that's the the main thing that is off putting a little bit about Young Guns is that it has the ambition to be like this you know historical western and have this like kind of grounded realistic feel to it but at the same time they've cast these people kind of totally outside of type and they've (laughs) besides Lou Diamond Phillips but Mm -hmm. um and it just I don't know it just reeks of 80s the whole time so like um and obviously, you could say, "Well, it was made in the '80s." How do? But but there are certainly movies made in the '80s that aren't like '80s right. cliche type movies, and this this one has enough of it that, um, yeah, it's a little hard. It's a little hard to swallow. It's it's a it's fun at times. There's some moments that really that work fine. Yeah, it's not like it's offensively bad or unwatchable in any way, and it's certainly a bit of a, a landmark because of, like you said, it kind of kicked off the renaissance of it western films in the late 80s that ran you know through the early 90s uh which we'll mm-hmm. get to our next week's film is yeah. early 90s western so kind of the other end of this um, fad which or is, whatever and, and one thing uh we were talking about before we started recording too is i i had this this i've been getting a lot of these lately this this mandela effect where i was like <laughs> wasn't wasn't the Bon Jovi song Dead or Alive written for this movie? And then as we discovered, <laughs> as we were just getting ready to record, no, it was the, the Bon Jovi song Blaze of Glory, right? which was used in Young Guns 2. Emilio Estevez wanted Dead or Alive, well, wanted wanted Dead or Alive <laughs> to be the theme of that <laughs> I movie. I thought you were starting they, to sing there. <laughs> yeah, but they couldn't, they couldn't uh, get it. But yeah, uh, imagine actually wanting that song in your movie, but... Hey, I, hey, I, I, it was 1988, I'll, I guess. I'll admit, hey. I'll admit, I'm I'm a I'm a Bon Jovi fan. I mean, I don't own <laughs> albums or anything, but if it's on the radio, I leave it. I'll leave it. You know, guys, yeah. the guy's got some class. I like it. But um, yeah, and I that's I think that song though, both of those songs, Dead or Alive and and Blaze of Glory, the whole Bon Jovi thing kind of fits into the western too. You know um yeah I mean, thematically the 80s, sure the very this, 80s the tone of the music not at all and i'm glad that doesn't actually show up in this movie but <laughs> yeah 
Well, and but but then again, the score itself is very kind of out of place and kind of puts yeah kind of puts you back into the eighties. That was one of the things I wrote down. Is I, the score really didn't work for me. Um, I don't know, like something about westerns. You think about this kind of. I mean, honestly, you're, you're thinking about a Enio, <laughs> yeah, Enio Morricone, or um, even kind of like classical westerns. But they always had that kind of you know big. Um, I was gonna say big orchestral, but that that that's more like a John Williams something. I really, yeah, I guess uh, Ennio Marcone or um... oh yeah, Ennio really yeah, is yeah, is yeah. like the iconic for for westerns. I think right. I mean, I I I also yeah, have no the... shame in saying that while I was um, years ago when I was writing up my dissertation, um, I made a playlist because I'd be sitting up late at night writing. Mm-hmm. And I needed music to kind of keep me awake and keep me going, but I didn't want to just throw in random CDs because I didn't want to get something that would make me fall asleep. So, and this is a bit of a tangent, but I actually no, put together a playlist that was very specific. Like, I'm going to need a song that is going to keep me, you know, at this focus, and then I need some stuff to, like, a crescendo to build it up, and then I need some songs to bring me back down, and then something, you know, I. So it's it's like music I normally don't listen to, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a lot of Blue Man Group in there. <laughs> I had Leonard Cohen. I had Jack Johnson, <laughs> and a whole bunch of Ennio Morricone. Yeah. Um, and occasionally some Wagner, because why not? You know. So I just <laughs> it was this weird mix of different stuff. I think Chris Isaac was in there too. Um, you know, just stuff to kind of set a mood. But yeah, the Ennio Morricone stuff. And, and no, when I go out to the field, I don't, like, blast that through my stereo and I'm driving around Utah and Montana. I don't play any Morricone <laughs> music, nor nor do I play the Jurassic Park theme over and over again. But, um, you know, it... I mean, uh, you probably should do both of those things, Probably actually, should, but, yeah. <laughs> but, no, it's... Um, I think his... I, I'm Again, we could do a what if. It'd be very curious to see how this film would change with the score alone. As most yeah. movies, right? The score can really make or break a movie. And in this one, I wouldn't well, say it broke I, it, but I think it didn't help it. Sans stunt casting, too. Like, let's say you, you cast a cast that's a little more appropriate for it. Um, or even take the script. I mean, verbatim, let's say. Take the script and, and remake it in the style of a classical Western or something. Um, more 70s or spaghetti Western-ish mm-hmm. and see what comes out of that. Um, it could it would be a very different movie, even with the exact same script of different cast and you know, little different style. But then again, well, you could say that about any, any movie, I suppose. <laughs> well, and there have been some relatively more recent westerns, like with since you know the two thousands, um, which I shouldn't say is that recent, but yeah, um, you know, two thousands on through that have been able to not replicate Sergio Leone. You know that have been able to 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 do their own thing, and and one that comes to mind right away is uh, the remake of Three Ten to Yuma, right? With yeah, with Russell Crowe and say Christian is Bale. The last big one of my favorites. I remember seeing. Yep. Yeah. I, yeah. I, think, I remember enjoying that one. Well, and even they did the the remake of um, Magnificent Seven, which right. which was pretty good too. I kind you of know, forgot it, about that, but yeah, I heard it wasn't bad. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I still prefer the original. Um, have they done a remake of the Wild Bunch, or is that one kind of considered off limits? I mean, it should be considered off limits, but so should the Magnificent Seven. But yeah. um, I mean, it doesn't mean the the new movie's not good. But yeah, I just uh, 
why <laughs> but yeah um, sometimes just let it no let, they have not as far good. as i know they have not done a wild bunch remake and nor have i heard of any plans to do one that by the way i'm surprised we didn't bring that up yet that is probably far and away my favorite western film but it's it's also so different from a lot of other westerns that it's kind of all of in a class all on its own mm-hmm. <laughs> like um and it, it's not so different it's it's certainly a western but well, and the last, I, I'm going to call it a Western, a uh, new Western that I saw just came out last year, and that was the Netflix anthology film, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Oh, yeah. You know, it's funny. I just saw that, like, last week um, for the first time, and I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, strange, but... And I <laughs> yeah. swear, every time I see Tom Waits in a movie, I <laughs> I can't have I can't help it, but I just imagine... They were shooting a movie, and they happened to just stumble across Tom Waits and said, "Fuck it, put, leave him in," you know, because he, he right. every character he plays the same character in every movie, and it's just because it's like well, I mean, they just get Tom Waits. Plays Tom Waits. He plays Tom Waits. You know, like uh, him out there digging for gold by himself. I'm like, yeah, he probably does that. You know, yeah. I mean, that's just like his week off, you know, vacation. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, talking to the rocks and stuff, and. <laughs> Yeah, no. actually, I meant to mention that to you, um, you know, outside of the show, but I'm glad you brought it up. I, I just recently saw that and was going to ask if you had seen it, and mm-hmm. yeah, I, I enjoyed that one a whole lot. So anyway, yeah. we're not we're not reviewing that, but <laughs> but no, I just well, I think you know it's like we said at the at the top of the episode. I think when most people think westerns, they think you know Sergio Leone films or or John Ford, John Wayne, you know, John yeah, you know, they think the yeah. John Wayne stuff, and and they think you know. If if it's older, it's John Wayne. If it's a 1970s, you know they think, you know, uh, Clint Eastwood, and for good reason because the the Man with No Name trilogy is one of my favorites. It's, um, it in my head canon, um, the Man with No Name did have illegitimate children, and one of them is Harry Callahan, um, <laughs> and that's and and then you know going to Gran Torino, um. Right. Because they all have that, you know, Clint Eastwood kind of those are the films that really made him. Um, and I would even go so far as to say the Dirty Harry films are are almost like westerns too. They're like I modern mean, day, yeah. you, know, I mean, you know, cop westerns. They have that flavor, sure, but yeah. But I don't know how much of that's just Eastwood. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure a lot of it is. I mean, they're they're also very. Um, I think they they kind of set up the cliches and genres, but the the like 70s 80s cop film that we were talked about before, mm-hmm. it's kind of that. You know, down on his luck, hard bitten, um, renegade cop kind of scenario. I think Dirty Harry was. Um, what was the name of the first Dirty Harry film? Was it just Dirty Harry? Was the I don't even know the order of them or how they go. I know. Um. Yeah, the first one was okay. I'm trying to think. First of all, how many there were? I think there's like four. And it's sad because I have all of them. Um, <laughs> Yeah, anyway. Yeah, the the very first one of those um, was, yeah, I think it was just Dirty Harry. And then you had Magnum Force, then Enforcer, yeah. and then Deadpool. No, Sudden Impact on Deadpool. Um, Sudden Impact, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, I, those are all, we'll have to review those some other time, I guess. Um, yeah, of course. But did you, now have, have you, I know you said that you had just seen this one recently for young guns uh you didn't ever saw the sequel 
I've never seen the sequel. I have a copy of it that I just picked up at a garage sale, actually, uh, for a dollar. I figured it was worth it for a dollar. Um, but yeah, no, I'd never seen either of them until I just, you know, watched this one for the show for the first time ever, which is funny growing up when we grew up, because this was a very popular movie. I was very aware of its existence. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just never, never saw it. I'm sure it had something to do with this, you know, it being an R-rated film when I was a kid, didn't get a chance to see it, and then... By the time I was a teenager, I feel like this was already, you know, it had already fallen into the realm of being a dated kind of, and you know, antique of that era, which we were, it always seems like the era directly following something is the hardest to rebel against it. So like um, mm-hmm. the whole like 80s, you know, new wave, Brat Pack, all that stuff. I mean, that was, that was total garbage to all of us, you know, 90s kids. Like we didn't want to see any of that crap. Um, <laughs> like, so it wasn't well, until like later on that, uh. And, and I think, um, yeah, I, 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 I vaguely remember, again, if, if it came out in 1990, I was a little bit more aware of movies coming out then. And, you know, again, the Bon Jovi stuff, I remember hearing that all over the radio and my older cousins listening to it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I have a, a little bit more memory of the presence of Young Guns 2 than the first one. Okay. Uh, even though yeah. it's only, you know, we're looking at two years, but still, that's when, sure. when you're young and you're coming online, right? That's That's the important... Uh, time, but I, Young Guns too. That's one I do want to revisit. Maybe we'll have to do a, a recap, uh, like a, a short thing at some point if we we watch that one just to kind of amend it. But sure, um, yeah. you know, in, in this one, this one actually focuses. It's it's more of the early '90s Brat Pack, right? So this one, that one has Emilio Estevez, Kiefer Sutherland, Lou Diamond Phillips, but also adds Christian Slater. Um, no, oh, I film. forgot that. Yeah, yeah, and William Peterson plays uh, Pat Garrett in in that one. Um, so, and John Fusco produced it, so I don't, did he write it too? Yeah, he also wrote it. So, I, I've heard that it's a bit better, but not sure. I know it's not quite as accurate to Hmm. the actual story, but it, it focuses more on the Pat Garrett, Billy the Kid hunt, essentially. Uh, which is really kind of an interesting story in and of itself, so... Yeah, we'll have to maybe revisit that one and, and amend it at some point, just as a kind of a when we get around to it. And we actually talked about some other potential westerns to include in all this too, right? So um, yeah, and I would have liked know. to do it, it just didn't really work out for us time wise at the moment. So right, I definitely we should get those. We'll have to do a goes west, um, at, you know, part two sometime in the near yeah. future. <laughs> Absolutely, because there's there's so many to. Uh, to actually cover like i said there was a short but really popular kind of resurgence there so i guess we'll have to we'll have to go back so if you could yeah, give I'm, young guns a grade what do you think you'd give it you know i don't want to be too hard on it because in my opinion this film is kind of garbage but it's fun garbage and that's kind of what we do here so um it's not good but it's entertaining it's kind of funny because it's a a-list like hollywood movie with a bunch of like b-list quality acting and production value which is kind of interesting um not sure why this was like the major runaway success it was maybe it's just the casting who knows but um i don't know overall it was good it was certainly westerny like it had enough of that stuff that it wasn't a total joke like it did take you know its western setting and its source materials seriously enough that it was uh 
you definitely could consider it a western. It's not a it's not a eighties comedy or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack Palance is totally wasted. He they could have used him so much better as a bad guy. Um, he's great when he's in it, but uh, they don't give him enough screen time. Um, like I said earlier, Kiefer Sutherland's pretty good in it. Um, and and it's just so noticeable because of you know his peers and that's that he's he's the the most talented in the group. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I don't have a whole lot to say about it other than uh, it's okay. It's not bad. It's you could do worse. It's entertaining, um, but it's not. It's not a fantastic movie. I'd give it like a C plus. Let's say. I'm I'm right there with you. Actually, I was gonna say about a C to a C plus for for many of the same reasons. I think one of the reasons it was successful, yes, is because these were very very popular actors at the time for a young audience, and it was something a little bit edgy i think to let's take these you know attractive teens that you've seen in all these movies you like that you know you've already you know this is you know breakfast club you can connect with these characters right mm-hmm. um you can relate to them or not characters i should say but these actors you've you've related to them before well let's put them now because then they're still supposed to be young young men right let's put right. them in a yeah. You know, in a in a setting that's a little bit different, but still, you know, with a relatable story about, you know, maybe not completely relatable, but you know, revenge. Um, you know, father figure kind of thing. So there's there's this it's if you think about it, it's still yet another you know '80s Brat Pack Daddy issues movie. So yeah, for sure, you know, it. <laughs> I'm I curious how this movie would have been. Another what if would be what if John Hughes directed Young Guns. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I would I would give it a C plus, and only because I think it's a good story. I just think that they let their aim for how to make it successful in terms of cast and style get in the way of a, a pretty good story. And I think if they would have chosen a, a cast that, as you said before, fit the the characters better, yeah, and they weren't so set on trying to make it. 80s edgy uh (laughs) this could have been a really really good movie but that being said the fact that we have an 80s western and it's pretty identifiable as such yeah that's that's kind of yeah i was gonna say it may have also without this cast just have faded into mediocrity as well maybe it would have been technically a better movie but maybe we wouldn't be talking about it right now either so right so well, next week we're going to be continuing our venture out west with uh, something that came out a, a close contemporary, I guess. You know, within within a couple of years. Um, but yeah, does anybody out there who's listening have any opinions on Young Guns or Young Guns Two? Uh, yeah, come you, come at us, bros. Because uh, <laughs> um, yeah, guns blazing. I know, I know this movie has its defenders because I remember so many people talking about how much they love this one. So. Um, if you're one of those people that just really loves Young Guns and uh, thinks we're being a little hard on it, let us, you know, write us and let us know what it is that you love so much about the movie. So, Absolutely. Feel free to drop us a line at videojunkyardpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at videojunkpod, which is our handle, or find us on Facebook with the Video Junkyard Podcast group or the official Facebook page. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. So coming up on the Video Junkyard Podcast, we have a couple of unique things but another another first so we did our first um 
westerns or, or set of western films and we're gonna do our first set of musicals coming up next not next week but following the western series um gonna look at a couple of lesser known kevin costner vehicles and um also get you with a little forgotten franchise action coming up and uh throughout all of that fun and craziness we will be joined multiple times by our friend ryan stiskel again who you just heard on our two-part conan series um so yeah ryan will be welcoming ryan back to the podcast yet again yeah and i do want to mention that the uh the kevin cosner films that we're going to be looking at it's very specific we are not just reviewing a couple of kevin cosner films but also trying to scientifically (laughs) assess is Kevin Costner actually a good actor? <laughs> You'll be hearing it first at the Video Junkyard Podcast. So That's thanks, right. everybody, for tuning in. This is Joe Peterson. And I'm Eric Branson. Have a good evening. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend. You just can't let them go. Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear of the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash video junkyard podcast, on Twitter at video junk pod, and on Instagram as video junkyard podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening. And keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard.